Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Dongan Rampa podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about episode 11, or episodes 11, I suppose, of both the future arc and the despair arc of the Rampa 3 anime. We are excited to dive into this one. A lot of, lot of stuff to talk about and unpack here. Um, but before we get started, I will give a brief content warning to all of our listeners. This episode is fairly dark. To give a content warning, we will be discussing uh, the topic of suicide in this episode, as I'm sure is understandable if you have seen the episode. No worries if you want to skip this one. Keep yourself safe, listeners. And uh, yeah, we are going to dive in pretty soon here. Just a heads up that this episode will spoil. Episodes 11, Future and Despair Arc, Rompa 3, the anime. And without further ado, I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. And I'm Caroline. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One. Two. Welcome to the Danganronpa Podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. Honestly, our theme song is such a bop. It is. Like, it is a bop. And I, Marin wrote that. Everyone listening right now, Marin wrote that. Well, actually, think- she was inspired by parts of other Rumpa songs and then created it. But like, she's the brains behind that. I'm kind of yes. like uh, Anna Kendrick in uh, Pitch Perfect, you know, when she like mashes up all those songs. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how I'm feeling, you know? <laughs> all right wow. well um enough about this perfect because today we're hosting a Danganronpa podcast mm-hmm. and we are we will be talking about we already said what we're talking about but yeah we're talking about the episodes 11 which were both pretty packed so I don't know I have a lot of notes so <laughs> I'll go ahead and start us off the first note that I have is that we see what happens at the end of the trigger happy havoc game which is so interesting and that kind of answered the question for me um, that I asked I think in the first episode of the season as to why this anime exists and why it's not a game why it's in the form of an anime and I think that the answer is that this anime answers a lot of questions and plot not plot holes but just areas where we didn't have an answer as to like how the the all the pieces of Danganronpa were glued together and I almost feel like this anime is the glue because it's able to cover the past the future the present like all simultaneously which if this were a game it wouldn't be able to do and I kind of like that we see the after of the first game because every time I end it I feel it feels so unsatisfying because we never get to see the end so yeah that was kind of something I thought of I was like oh yeah that's why this is an anime and not a game and as much as people roast it I think it's somewhat needed (laughs) I love the anime oh I love this yeah um I wanted to ask I did not expect when the doors opened for there to be no one there, Um, especially while watching this anime, knowing that there is the future foundation who's working for them or with them. I expected there to be like Munakata kind of says, like the rescue squads there. And I just wanted to kind of pose as a question, like how would it feel to go through these games in the first, you know, trigger happy havoc game and the doors open and there aren't people there to help you, but they're also like, I mean, 
when they were in the school, they were told the world is in chaos, right? Um, so personally, when those doors opened, I thought there would either be people ready to help or people fighting and just horror and like things everywhere that are coming to attack you, but there's nothing. But you know what I mean? Like there's right. nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's that it's saying, like, like, it's better to be loved or hated than indifferent, like have people feel indifferent towards you. And I felt like they would open those doors and just feel like no one cared. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the despair of just isolation. It's like the way I saw it. Definitely. Right. And the Future Foundation is immediately not introduced to us, but introduced it, you know, in that scenario as a cold and distant group of people, which I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, somewhat yeah. maybe reflective of its leader. We'll get to that conversation later, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, actually, I, I still have a note just relating to that entire scene, um, which is Tengen, he says, quote, finally, the door is open. And he means literally the door to the academy. But I also think this is a double meaning of like a new door of ideas. Like the next generation is coming through to save the mistakes of the, you know, the current generation or whatever. And how they have not, you know, they've been tainted with despair, but they've clearly persevered. And so they're going to bring a different perspective to the Future Foundation. So this might be a good time to kind of transition into talking about Tangan and him as a character, because I feel like in this anime, we don't really get a lot of answers as to who he is and what he does and how involved he is in this. And we do still have another episode to go in this, this anime. So I'm curious to see if we get some more answers there. But Munakata pretty much accuses him of being the leader of this killing game um, that we see in the future arc saying that he was, you know, the only other person who could control the base. But I don't know. I was wondering, like, do you guys think that he's the mastermind behind this? Or do you have any ideas why he might have chosen to do this to his, his work buddies? I don't know. At this point, watching the show, I wasn't convinced that he was actually behind all of it, you know, because like, Munakata does say, oh, the only people who could have, you know, messed with the monitors in that way or whatever are me and Tengen. And at this point, I'm still a little suspicious of Munakata, I will say. But I also think that there is always the possibility of someone other than the two of them that is behind this. Because, I mean, we see in the first game and throughout that, like, Junko Nishima's reach is very widespread and very much more powerful than people originally think it is. So yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to agree with Maddie on that one. I, I when I think we finished this episode, I was like, I don't think it's him because like, I don't, I don't know why like that was the case. I just was like, I, I didn't believe it I, because of all of the people in the old Future Foundation group he was the most level-headed and most logical. And so I was like, oh, like, no way, it's him, you know. Um, we'll see if, you know, I'm right or wrong or it's a mix of the two, you know, obviously in the next episode, but uh, right. that's kind of what where it left me. Um, though I will say that text from Tengen at the end of the episode is interesting. I don't, I don't yeah. know if this is someone messing with someone's caller ID or, you know what I mean? It could, there are so many questions still, and there's only one episode left. And so I'm curious how they're going to wrap it all up in those mm -hmm. two episodes. Right. 
Caroline, I think that the quote that you said where the doors to Hope's Peak Academy opens up and he's like, oh, what does he say? The He says, um, finally, the door is open. Finally, the door is open. It's a statement of hope. And like you said, like bringing in new people who have good ideals into the foundation, right? And so I agree that it doesn't necessarily seem to fit with then deciding to attack them. Like it's, it's a weird, we're missing something that is an explanation for for the actions he does though i mean tengen does know about the identity of the quote-unquote attacker though because when he says he tells munakata that you know before he dies because he's been impaled or whatever (laughs) and then we see from his bracelet that he can't tell a lie and so it is sus that he knew about that yeah i don't know i i do also think that there are there is a possibility that he may know stuff, but not be responsible. Right. There are, there are ways to mislead that aren't telling a lie, right? right? It depends on how you tell the truth that, you know, really matters. And so I don't, we don't know the whole story yet, I think. Right. Yeah. That is a good point though, Maddie, because he could have, let's say when Munakata is about to kill Tangan, right? You know, they're having their little angry fight and Munakata says like, who's behind this? He could have said, oh, everyone is just committing suicide. Right. What kept him from telling the literal truth versus right. making it a more like vague, everyone did it, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the the big twist here, that it is everyone are the attackers of themselves what are our thoughts on that I actually I I like this twist I thought it was it was quite twisty turny indeed yeah never been seen before though I think that where a lot of criticism of this comes is that people maybe don't like the idea at all that what is causing things is a brainwashing video right I I feel like that might be the thing where people are like "Eh." but I think as a twist did not see that coming and I usually do predict some of these crazier twists in these games so you do yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I I just okay everyone drink this in because this is a rare moment for Caroline both Marin and Maddie are taking drinks of their water right now (laughs) just so everyone listening knows that that just occurred um I just have to say okay Makoto is so brave And he is a strong man because he is literally risking his life to save other people. Like he doesn't know, he he knows what the answer (laughs) might be. And he's pretty certain probably in Kyoko's work of what the answer is. Yet he is still like, we need to know for sure. And I'm going to be the one to figure this out. And that is like, that is so admirable. I can't, I can't, I, like, there's, there is no way that I can like be a jerk about that you know what I mean like that is yeah. just like such a you know test of integrity and he man anyway I think Makoto's shown in this episode especially like there was one quote at the near the end uh when Munakata's like he was my 
my friend. And he's like, he is your friend. I was like, Makoto, like, oh, <laughs> that just, that got me in my heart. He's just, oh, I think he's really finding his own in this anime. We see it. And we were suspicious of that in Ultra Despair Girls. You know, we talked about him potentially maturing outside of the games and it's like, we're watching it now, you know, we're getting to see those moments and that's really cool. I, I think that um, Kyoko's death really like spurs something on in him honestly like he is maybe trying to live up to her expectations or thinking to himself like what would Kyoko do that kind of thing like I, I really do think I see a change in him after that to answer your original question I also liked the twist I think it's very interesting and new it's not really charted territory um, at least to my knowledge I had never seen something like that before so if you've listened to our tier list episode, you know that I don't like Ryota, all right? Like he is not my favorite character. And this is a big moment as to why. In this episode, you know, we see they've got Kyoko's diary. They're like, oh, like we think it's this. Let's prove it with this hypothesis. People who sit close to a TV monitor end up dying. And we think that they are committing suicide. And Ryota's just like, oh my gosh, I can't think of anything in the world close to a TV monitor that would convince people to do something that they wouldn't really be so sure about doing before. I'm not going to speak up at all or talk about my ultimate ability or anything any past experiences. No, instead, I'm going to let the ultimate hope potentially go and hurt himself. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and, and even after the experiment is over and Makoto lives because Juzo comes out of here out of nowhere, which we'll get yeah. to, um, <laughs> he's we'll just like, that. oh, like, it wasn't me. It was Junko. Like, I literally, I have so many problems with Ryota. And I, I understand that, you know, he, he is an anxious person and it is not easy for everyone to stand up and, and make bold actions and be brave like Makoto is. I get that, but that doesn't mean that I have to like him, right? Like right. I do not like him as a character. Yeah. yeah. That's He's my definitely, rant. <laughs> he, his shame of what happened burdens him so heavily that I think it, it just keeps him from acting because he doesn't want to be blamed for what happened but because he's not saying anything and because he's being passive he is partially to blame you know in in order to redeem himself and overcome that shame he needs to speak up right because or of or else it is it becomes his fault because he's withholding information again not lying but misleading other people by not being honest yeah yes yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah. He just wanted to make his anime, but you know, he could do a little bit more. <laughs> Speaking of people redeeming themselves, if I may, um, Juso, I think redeems himself a little bit in this, maybe more than a little bit, a lot in this episode. <laughs> um, I know that I did not put him very high on my um my tier list. I don't remember. I think I might have put him in D tier, maybe C. I don't know. But, um, I I kind of regret doing that because I think he does redeem himself here, and he pretty much at the end like saves them all um, and uses his last you know dying strength to do so, um, and you know saving Makoto's life and everything. And it, 
I, I will say it was badass when he came in with the tourniquet on his arm and like one handed is like just saving the day. I was like, okay, like you are a badass, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of like, again, there's a duality between Ryota and Juzo because Juzo also was silent for a very long time, but now he's choosing to speak up. And a lot of the, you know, I, I have a lot in, in these two episodes just about how, you know, how despair can be overcome. And I think that breaking that passivity is a big part of like what saves the group and what drives them forward into their cause rather than the silence. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do also want to talk about what Makoto sees when he's being brainwashed um, because yeah. it it is it was very clarifying for me as to what individuals go through when they're being brainwashed in this universe because I truly believe that he feels some of the survivor's guilt. I think that he probably Absolutely. dreams about these people all the time, you know, and he's still able, to, and instead of taking it and killing himself, he takes it and then he lives another day for the sake of those people who didn't make it right right but like that was very like um you know almost like that opened my eyes to how these videos aren't just like totally like coming up and manipulating it's it it drives something that's already deep in your psyche forward um also lol the mondo when mondo turned to butter i I had to laugh at that i'm sorry i was like oh why is he liquid and then i realized in our last episode we talked about are the kids being brainwashed or are they just being emotionally manipulated you know like that kind of question i don't know we talked about that kind of question you know and i i still don't think they're being brainwashed i stand by that especially after seeing this episode i don't necessarily know about the kids of hope's peak and we'll talk more about that in the despair arc in terms of the future arc people, personally, I don't know. I don't think they're being brainwashed. I think like when we see Makoto's video and it's just, it's guilt, like you said, Caroline, the survivor's guilt, it's just that blown into a new proportion. But yeah, I just, I, I think it's coming from within. I think it's just exploiting things that they've gone through to make them feel a certain way. And I think that like they've been through so much and we forget so frequently how much trauma they've been through and to wake up alone after that trauma and guilt being exploited I I think is more powerful than we give credit to I don't think it's brainwashing it's just cruel it's like yeah I don't know that's my opinion well, how my question for you then, Marion, is how do you define brainwashing? Because, you know, right. if taking something that's in someone's subconscious and exploiting that and making them feel a certain way and getting them to think and remember certain things to alter their mindset and their behavior, like how is that not brainwashing? You know and what I mean? Wa- I want to add on to this because in The Body Keeps Score, which is a very, very great book on how trauma affects people physically and mentally, there is a whole section about how extreme trauma can make you literally forget parts of your life and that and like absolutely right yeah to me brainwashing is causing you to do something that you would never consider something that is completely out of the realm of your like personality you know I like because of factors that wouldn't normally 
force you into that situation. So to explain what I mean by that, because I know that that's very vague, right? Makoto, I think, is a generally happy person. You know, he's a pretty happy-go-lucky kind of guy, pun intended. But he has dealt with trauma like that. That is that kind of trauma can make a person depressed. Um, I think that that is a very real possibility. And so the fact that that trauma being shown to him in a grandiose way caused him to become extremely depressed to me is like an A leads to B leads to C kind of thing. Now, if Makoto was shown a video of a bunny like on a bridge and that led him to, you know, start doing actions that he would have never considered before. Like that to me is more brainwashing. There's no logic or reasoning for that image to cause that reaction, right? That Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if it can lead to a natural reaction, I don't feel like it's brainwashing. I just feel like it's playing on human nature. I, I, I just, I would argue that brainwashing does play on human nature because it's you know that's a not to get too heavy but like it's a thing that like people do to people in real life like around the world I I think I can't remember I I read like some book or some article about it I don't remember a lot but like it is brainwashing is it's not solely a fictional thing you know what I mean and so I feel like there always has to be some kind of element of human nature involved in it and thinking like, you know, treating someone in this way is going to lead to this outcome. I would also argue, like, I don't think, I mean, obviously we don't know the inner of Makoto's psyche. We don't know the mental health things he specifically struggles with, but I don't think he would commit suicide tomorrow. You know what I mean? Even based on what he's gone through, I think that it's this emotional manipulation that really emphasizes this part of what he deals with that then drives him to that. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. It's emotional manipulation, not, not brainwashing. I feel like the brainwashing would be like Chisa where they had to do something physical, like Mm. hurt her physically in order to, or like change her physically. Then it's like Makoto. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference there. Right. However, earlier you defined brainwashing as getting someone to do something they wouldn't otherwise do. And what I'm saying is I don't think Makoto would commit suicide. I think it took emotional manipulation to then get him to that point. But based on that, that fits your definition of brainwashing. That's all I'm saying. So that's why I'm a little more inclined to agree with Maddie's side of things, I'm, you know, because she's saying that brainwashing would take some level of emotional manipulation. That, and that's kind of what, where I'm coming from with mm. that. But yeah, that's mm. okay. We don't have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is interesting. I think it's definitely an interesting, like, discussion of what is brainwashing. I don't know. Maybe we'll need to have, like, an expert brainwasher. That. On- patreon not like an actual brainwasher but someone who like studies that that would be very interesting i think yeah and i'd be curious to know the difference between brainwashing and hypnotism as well because to me part of this seems like hypnotism since makoto Mm. is so easily snapped out of it by juzo right he's just thrown against a wall and juzo's like stop it and he's like okay like (laughs) (laughs) true that that is that was a little strange that's true like snapped out of it like brainwashing i feel like would be more permanent maybe right i don't know but again like we should get someone who who knows 
And well, Same. perhaps an essential part of this brainwashing technique was them being alone. And the fact that he wasn't mm. alone is just like that ruined the recipe for disaster, you know, or whatever. <laughs> the um, recipe. <laughs> And it is, it is very inherently different, I think, than the, what class 77, right? 77 goes through that, like this, this whole thing is very just, it seems it's like stems from a similar technology, but I think like, obviously class 77 is like infected with despair for a very long time. Whereas this again, because of how we see Makoto break out of it so quickly is like a shorter lived thing. It just like required them being alone. I don't know. Right. No, that's really true. Yeah. Like class 77 for some reason needed to go through the Neo world program to be okay. And yet they're considered to be the same brainwashing. Press X right. to doubt. Am Press I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh. gosh. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. I don't what know. you just think about? Wow. All right. This is a good talk. Yeah. All we're right. on fire today. I don't want to jinx <laughs> it, but like we're on fire today. Oh yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. I love this podcast. Wow. Me too. I love you guys. Oh. Um, I do let's do I want to talk about Juzo and Makoto because I was like this mirrors Chihiro and Mondo so much like the whole idea of like toxic masculinity coming back and it's in the form of someone who we've compared to Mondo in the past when we've talked about him um and I think that this is just hammering home you know now that we've seen Makoto like really do this epic sacrifice potentially of his life for the other people including Munakata who almost tried to kill him it's that true strength lies in love and do and doing the right thing for other people and like the um, the amount of people in this world who need to hear that are so many um but like and that's what inherently like creates community and creates yeah real strength and the ability to fight the evils in this world i feel like juzo makes one of the biggest sacrifices we have seen to this point in this game series, I will say. We see Juso willing to risk his life, right? At the end, you know, he's lost a lot of blood. We don't know what's going to hip hop happen with him. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was that you said? Um, yeah, you know, like hip hop happened. Um, right. But uh, I think the sacrifice of him cutting off his arm is actually much more symbolic because Juzo in that moment gives up his ultimate ability and we have never seen someone willing to risk their ultimate ability before and that to me I I was moved by that I wrote down I was like oh like (laughs) uh, yeah that just that's really true yeah in a society that values that so much to give up everything that you're known for it's exactly the redemption caroline was talking about right because juzo before wasn't willing to risk his job um you know his his friendships things like that and here we see him just give it away just you know just make that choice finally and oh oh my heart also the uh mental fortitude it would take to sever your own arm yeah yeah Yeah, that like (laughs) yeah and the only time we've seen somebody do something like that to themselves is nagito and it was on the complete other end of the spectrum of like yeah 
I actually might make an Ultimate Psych Files episode about phantom limb syndrome and uh, the neuroscience of like amputation and missing limbs because I read a book recently that talked a lot about it and it was so interesting. (laughs) That sounds really cool. My next note is um, Caroline, did you know that J. Michael Tatum was a scriptwriter for this show? I did know that because he is a scriptwriter for actually most of this anime. Fun fact. Oh, okay. I've wow. heard that in the past. Yes, I did know that. I love J. Michael Tatum, you guys. He's like one of my favorite American voice actors. Yeah, he's Sebastian in Black Butler and um, Tenya Ida in My Hero. And, I, and he plays, of course, my favorite role of his is Jin Kirigiri. And yes, <laughs> anime. the family man. The family man. But um. <laughs> But yeah, I adore him. Yeah, I know. Isn't it crazy? And I I, I take a note of that and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's crazy. We got to get the family man on here. The family. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate family man, Jim Carrey. (laughs) (laughs) Did we ever know his ultimate ability? That could be it. Honestly, I feel like that's it. I don't know if he even has one. He might not have one. He might just work for the school, which would he's be just hilarious. The principal. That he's the principal. Ultimate <laughs> principal. He's so really not ultimate the ultimate dude. family man, right? Because he, he like he's really his not. family. Like, yeah, he literally <laughs> abandoned his family. <laughs> he is the ultimate lone wolf. <laughs> calling the him the ultimate family man this whole time when he literally canonically abandoned his entire right? family. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. My last big note is about um, just Munakata and and Makoto in general. Um, So um, Munakata and Makoto, I think, are very strongly implied to be shadow selves of each other because Munakata's two closest friends lied to him and then he became doubtful and that's what causes him to sort of lash out in the way that he does whereas Makoto's closest friends in this game right so we have Kyoko and Hina they don't betray him and they don't lie to him and therefore Makoto has the foundation to then go places you know because he's a he's a person and we need people in our lives to you know help us boost us along um if you will and I just think of how Makoto could have so easily been Munakata in this situation, had the tables been turned, right? If Munakata's past had been better, maybe he and Makoto would have more in common. But because that is so inherently different and their experiences are so different, they're not going to see eye to eye unless they try to empathize with the other person. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Also, adding on to that, in terms of the parallels, um, Munakata's one of his closest friends, Chiza, ends up being one of the ultimate despairs, right? And I think kind of going the other way, how Makoto, if Kyoko had been an ultimate despair, I think it would have been so easy for her to manipulate him into, into becoming something more like Munakata, you know, like I just, there's that scene that we see with her, like uh, her being Chisa, hugging Munakata and like just having that like little evil smile on her face. And I just, it hurts because I feel like Munakata suspected that they were lying to him even then. Like he knew in his heart. I don't know. There was just something about the way it was animated and his reactions to their answers that I was like, oh, but yeah, I really liked this episode in terms of my husband. Munakata, you know, he, 
this is his redemption arc. This is absolutely his redemption arc. And I just, you can see him almost healing in this episode. And I just, I wanted to give him a big hug because he needed it. He really did. And when he said, when he said the thing about like always being too late, I like teared up a little bit. I was like, oh my buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like, I, I, I kind of wish I could take back the, from the tier list when I put both Juso and Munakata so low I really do like their arc honestly I think it, it's not you know obviously it doesn't seem like it's going to have a happy ending I mean there's one more episode left so who knows what'll happen but like a lot of betrayal and hurt has happened up to this point so it's not been a happy arc for either of them but um I think it's really human um and I I appreciate that about this show right? It's almost like you, after watching, you can understand why they are the way that they are. And yeah, that makes Jesus' redemption so much better because he overcomes it. Woo! King. Absolutely. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I kind of wish like I could remake my tier list because I think rewatching the show has given me a new appreciation. Maybe we should do a revised tier list episode. Ooh, that'd be Honestly, interesting. I think yeah. that my opinions have changed significantly. It'd be cool to do that before we re-listen and then see how different they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. The tier list episode is coming out a week from today. So I'm currently editing it. So we don't have a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. (laughs) We're really funny. Okay. Mm. Okay. So my next note, I think is a great jumping off point from that. And it is about the title of the episode, which is all good things. Um, And that could be from two different sayings. The first is all good things come to those who wait. And the second is all good things must come to an end. Um, And at first, I mean, those are exact opposite sayings, right? Um, Which I think is exactly where we are in this penultimate episode, um, you know, with Chisa in the despair arc saying like this is not going to be a happy ending um or in this future arc we're seeing the redemption we're seeing characters you know come to light and like um yeah I just I think it's a very juxtaposed moment uh with the title but I do think that the title is all good things uh come to those who wait because that is based on a poem by uh, Lady Mary Montgomery Curie from the 1800s to 1900s time period. Is she related to Marie Curie? I think their last names are spelled different, but I'm not sure. It's C U R R I E. Yeah, it's different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I was was excited about that. (laughs) But her poem is called, and it's in French, so I am going to pronounce this wrong, but it's called Taut Vient à Kissant Attendre. Wait, wait, how do you? Very wrong. (laughs) Can you type type it into the chat? Yeah. The poem is All hoped for things will come to you who have the strength to watch and wait. Our longings spur the steeds of fate. This had been said by one who knew. Ah, all good things come to those who wait. I say these words to make me glad, but something answers soft and sad. They come, but often too late. Mm. And it's exactly what Munakata says. That yeah. it's, he's always too late. And I literally was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is the title. You heard it here uh, first, folks. No, probably not. It's probably somewhere on the internet. It's probably in Danganronpa <laughs> Wiki. But <laughs> I literally, I was so excited about that. Um, so oh, yeah. Love me a good French poem. Do you think that the kids, they're not kids. Well, yeah, they are kind of kids, right? 
I don't know. I do you think like they're random age-grouped people? <laughs> do you think the young adults were being brainwashed? Let us know in our Discord. Become a patron. The lowest tier you can uh, donate to become a patron is just $2 a month. But if you want to talk to us about brainwashing, $5 a month will get you into that Discord, and we can't wait to hear from you. And we've got Book Club with Caroline, and you can get a limited edition custom mug. It's not really limited edition. It'll be there for a long time. A custom mug uh, sent straight to your place, which is pretty great. And uh, we hope that you'll do that. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. We would love to see you there. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. It really makes our day. And if you want to support our podcast, uh, give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps us more than you know. And we will be right back after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, we are back. And are we ready to talk about the despair arc? We yeah. are. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because <laughs> we start out hearing the lies Munakata was told right at the top of the episode, which I think is quite an interesting choice from the creators because we just were supposed to sympathize with them. And now we're hearing the lies that they told. Um, I have a line from Munakata, which I thought was the most Munakata phrase I've ever heard. Quote, has the enemy infiltrated upper management? End quote. <laughs> really gave me <laughs> Not Munakata upper management. Vibes. No! <laughs> that was funny. I also have a quote from that first scene, which is from Chisa. And when she says, <clears throat> it's like a voiceover. And she says, to win, despair doesn't have to work that hard. Which is so true because like the thing is, it's like, obviously, yes, this like situation that we're watching in this television show is incredibly extreme. It's very violent. It's like absolutely nothing like we've really experienced in our world before. However, there are things in this world that are terrible and mirror these things that happen all like throughout history. And so it's just very true that despair does persevere and it is easier to be sad than to be happy at least maybe I just have depression but like, you know, like no it is it is but it is it is easier psychologically to be, confirmed right right it's easier to be sad than to be happy and so it, it doesn't have to work that hard it's so true even in our lives every day yeah Chisa was really popping out some good quotes there. Uh, I have, just because Hope's the central character doesn't mean it'll make it to the final act. That quote was just so good. It was like, oh, yeah, it's just interesting. And it makes you wonder how this show is going to end. Right. And Mm -hmm. every Shakespearean tragedy, they always joke that if there's a name on the cover, that person is going to be dead by the end of the play. And it's because they're the central character of the tragedy and the tragedy perseveres because of their death so yeah yeah, we'll have to see how this ends yeah absolutely my next Mm -hmm. note 
is about just like there there's a quote that Junko says like you know how they're like sitting and they're watching in on the classroom and she she lists a couple of things and she says quote everything is a virus like she says social media hashtags was the one that stood out to me and I okay guys I I've hated social media like I'm I'm the one of us who who just is like oh TikTok I deleted TikTok like all all the things you know I think it has its benefits but that's a rant for another day but there is a great documentary called The Social Dilemma which I highly recommend watching if you want to get very introspective about what role media plays in your life specifically social media because the algorithms of social media are created to divide us and I don't think that was the intent I'm actually certain that wasn't the intent of the algorithm but because when we're scrolling, we, we are like looking at certain things longer, it learns what political party you are, what stances you take on certain issues, you know, all of that stuff. So I, when I'm on Facebook or whatever the heck it is, I'm only seeing, you know, like things that agree with my current stance. I'm not being challenged. And sometimes the challenge of hearing the other opinion is what makes their opinion stronger, or it makes you sympathize with other people. Today is Martin Luther King Day that we're recording this, um, and I can't help but think of him when I think of that because one of the um, people who, I I don't want to be too specific just to protect their privacy, but someone I know in my life um, knew Martin Luther King, and he was talking about him and his work yesterday, and he was talking about why he was such a good leader, and he said two things. The first thing is because when whenever he met somebody, he would ask them questions about themselves. And this man who was speaking about this, he said, I went the first time I met him and I went in to interview him about something. And he asked me questions for 20 minutes first, because he wanted to know like about me, this college age reporter, like wanting to learn about him. And he said, great leaders listen. And they're curious about other people. And the other thing is Um, This man, when he was talking to Martin Luther King, referred to like the people in the South as like rednecks or as um, so there he used another word, but I can't I can't recall at this time. And Martin Luther King said to him, he said, when you group people together like that, it dehumanizes them and it makes it impossible to understand them. And that and like that was like very powerful, (laughs) you know, that that somebody who is fighting against racism in our country actively still had it in him to think that those minds could be changed, right? That those people could change. And so, yeah, that just, it shows the importance of that bridge. And I'm going on a rant now, I'm sorry, (laughs) because, you know, I, it's kind of fresh on the brain, but yeah, it's like in an era that's rampant with division and misinformation, like we've never seen before. I mean, really it's so important to make the extra effort to inform yourself and to understand and really get a full grasp on things that are going on. Well said. Well said. Can we talk about Izaru's response? He said, I have, I have no proposal. They live and die by the meme. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, the subtitle version didn't have the exact same quote, but he still like mentioned it that it's like, oh, it's like a meme or something. And like, I was so, I was geeking so hard. And he, um, he also describes Junko's despair as a memetic wave or a memetic wave, which that like refers to, um, memetics refers to like the propagation of an idea. It's just like the way a disease spreads. It's like, 
um, instead of a disease, it's an idea or like a cultural concept or a piece of information or something. And that's literally where the word meme comes from because memes, they go viral. Literally the term we use for it is they are viral um, memes and they just spread. And it's like, you know, a lot of them are just completely pointless, but they make us laugh. And it's like a picture or an image or something that spreads around. And I geeked so hard. Did you guys see the the guy holding the chainsaw that had Jason Freddy written on it? No, I didn't see that. Did that it's, come back? It is so brief. Like it is it is one of the blue people raiding the school it has a chainsaw and on it is written Jason Freddy. And I was like, like from the previous thing. Yeah. You remember? Like when yeah, we yeah. talked about that. Wow, that's wild. He's still going. He he is. I was like, oh, the references <laughs> popping off in this show, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I I just the rest of this is just really like I have a bunch of quotes. I also have like a note that just says like I feel like a lot of folks like think, oh, you know, when they're older, they're like, oh, okay, well, the next generation will take care of this. And like, you know, and that's their set attitude. And and I was like, no, today's the day you need to do it today, like, or start doing things today to change the world. It's not going to, you know, the issues are still happening, folks. Yeah. Like all over. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what made me write that down. (laughs) I think it's a balance because, you know, kids are the hope of the future, right? At some point we will all not be here and our future generations are responsible for what happens after, but that doesn't mean you just stop caring during your lifetime. You know, you can't put all of your hope into the future you have to you know work now like you're saying so one thing that I believe Munakata says that uh implies it is about Tengen is he says that Tengen will protect and nurture hope from the outside oh no Tengen says that it's when he's in his meeting with Kizakura and um and uh the family man yeah yeah (laughs) J. Michael Tatum Uh, (laughs) the ultimate family man right um he says he's going to protect and nurture hope from the outside and I wanted to know your opinions obviously we don't know what he's doing right now but do you feel like he is protecting and nurturing hope from the outside at this point in time well I think that this is actually what caused me to write that note down because they are locking the next generation the class beneath 77 in a building to protect them because they're their only hope right yeah um, instead of actually doing something about a tengen pal yeah yeah mm, so I, I don't think he is now mm. and i think you also feel that way based on the way you asked that question <laughs> i think that <laughs> so i like tengen as a character at least right now i honestly cannot remember what happens in the last episode i think he's so interesting and his motives are so unclear i don't know i don't honestly know how i feel about him and, and his actions and yeah i i'm curious to see if his goal was actually to protect and nurture hope or if like we were talking about at the very beginning if he just wasn't really working towards that mission yeah like i said i i wasn't convinced that he was like evil or anything at this point i mean i was a little sus of him but like i think the plan to you know shelter the students in the school he thought he was pursuing hope at that point but i'm not convinced that it is the right angle you know <laughs> like i'm just i i also have mixed feelings about whether that is the right thing that they should be doing um but i think i think he thought it was the right thing to do i don't know if he really had like malicious intent in trapping them in the school 
I think that, you know, what happened in the school after that was like, you know, all Junko, but well, not all Junko, I guess she would have had, you know, she had a lot of despair people helping her out, but yeah, I don't know. Also, I love that Junko wants to keep Makoto around for the sake of her own despair. That is just like despairception right there. Oh yeah. She's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, That's an understatement. Definitely. (laughs) <laughs> she's silly i kind of want to talk about that scene you know where she throws the wrench at him and he slips on the paper or whatever I, I wrote down a note after that moment happened and i said makoto's luck might be more like nagito's than we thought but junko right after is like oh kamaita's luck is like not like his at all you know like makoto's luck is in and out and random and i wanted to know your opinions on that on makoto's luck whether it's like Nagito's or not. I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think. Nagito's, I feel like falls like a pendulum. It's like extremes. It's either like very bad luck or like very good luck. And it's usually consistently good, (laughs) like in a lot of (laughs) ways, Um, like things work out in his favor, but there's a twist to it or like whatever. Um, Whereas Makoto, I feel like, again, it is, I think it is a little bit more inconsistent. You know, Mm. it's not as cyclical. I feel like Nagito's luck is like Makoto's luck on steroids. <laughs> like it's just it's just blown out of proportion. Like like Caroline said, very much extremes. Mm. And and he's it's like he had to um, like work for his greatness, whereas Nagito kind of already was great because of his luck. Yeah. I don't know. It's his luck is so extreme sometimes. Mm. Like Makoto's luck it's every man luck you know the, like the fact he slipped on a piece of paper like that's just like that could happen to anybody any day where like they can miss <laughs> a wrench from slipping on a piece of paper or whatever but Nagito's is so extreme sometimes that it's like unbelievable right right yeah 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 it's very interesting yeah yeah because I don't necessarily feel like Makoto like Caroline you described it as a pendulum I don't know that Makoto I mean yes he goes through very bad things but I would not say he gets a ton of bad luck often. It's mostly like stable, slight good luck. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hmm. That's a good Interesting. way to describe it. Stable. <laughs> stable, somewhat good. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to talk about the promise that Kizakura made. Um, you know, we yeah. see that. We see why he risks his life for Kyoko. And I know that was a question that we had posed back in that episode is, you know, he didn't owe her anything. And, you know, technically he still didn't. Um, But I, that is why I ranked, I remember ranking Kizakura pretty high on my tier list. And this is why, like that is a man of his word. Um, And just people can make promises left and right, but actually following through on them puts a person on a new, new level um, of respect. And just, I don't know, I think we really see why he's such a cool guy. I like Kizakura. He's cool. He is cool. <laughs> My last note is um so did y'all watch the post credit scene this time? Yes. I think I did, but I don't okay. I'm not sure. It's um <laughs> it's Hajime and Chiaki meeting on Jabberwock Island in the virtual world. Nope, yeah, I, I didn't. didn't. Oh, okay. And now I'm sad. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh but it, it's basically just a repeat of the scene we see at the beginning of SDR too. Um, we see Hajime and Chiaki meeting. Um, but my last note is the fact that I think it's so funny how like um, I don't know if you saw how like 
Chiaki's handheld game said Nintendo. Like it's just like a blatant ripoff of Nintendo, but they didn't want to get sued. So like it's just <laughs> Nintendo. And I just think it's so funny when um, shows or, or games or whatever do that. Um, like I'm playing right now, I'm playing AI, the Somnium Files. And there are so many references like that in that game. There's a car manufacturer called Yotoda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they just switched two letters around. <laughs> and I was like, it's like they didn't even try, but it's also funny. I don't know. <laughs> so Nintendo like Nanami. Oh, yeah. I actually just remembered that my my last question does actually have to do with the post credit scene because, oh. you know, Hajime shakes hands with Chiaki and then it kind of goes into like the virtual world, like lines thing. And then he says, quote, which one is freedom? Meaning like which one hope or despair is freedom, you know? And, and he asks himself that question at the end of the second game and they end up it's future, which is, you know, what I, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, I think that's a very prominent question. I think we've talked about this in this season before that it's a balance of both because it's the fact hope overcomes despair and that cycle that is really what matters um, rather than despair not existing because that's impossible and also like kind of a sad and bland reality because if hope can't overcome anything then there is no hope. It's just like constant. Yeah, doesn't Junko say a line in this episode at some point where like oh a world without despair that would be despairful in of itself like I think she says a line like that in this episode she says hope is the status quo despair isn't but I think that despair is the status quo and hope isn't but it's like but it's the the existence of both that make it so despair is the status quo but hope isn't I think I agree with you that is so interesting that that yeah it is interesting We've probably talked about the hope and despair, like the theme of this to death, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah. All right, everybody. We are back with another Bedwed Behead, but amended, obviously, uh, for this season. And now we're going to be picking between Ryota, Juzo, and Makoto. Uh, and we're going to be picking between. We have to share our little things we came up with. So I picked who would you want to give you a makeover? Wow. Um, I picked who would you want to attend a pottery class with? Um, I came up with who would you want to churn butter with for two hours? Oh, God. Good one. So, <laughs> so dismal. I have my answers. I'm ready. Okay. I would have Makoto give me a makeover because I think that that would just be a really cute experience. Like, I feel like he'd get all nervous and it would be just kind of endearing, you know? Yeah. Plus he'd probably be like, you don't need a makeover. Like you're great. I'd be like, wow, I feel uplifted. I would bring Juzo to the pottery class because I feel like it would be good for him to have an outlet for his frustration. And pottery is a very like focus oriented task where you really need to be engaged in your creation in order to really perfect it or, you know, have fun with it. So I just feel like that could be a really cool pastime for him. I would have Ryota churn butter for two hours with me because that seems like the least fun task and he is the least fun person. Yep. There we go. That's it. That's my answers. <laughs> I can go next, actually, <laughs> if you'd like. Um, I would have 
Ryota give me a makeover? And here's why I would have him do that because he's very into anime and a lot of the posters on his wall in his room are like little parodies of Studio Ghibli. And my dear roommate has described my fashion sense as dark academia meets Studio Ghibli, like vibes. And so I think he would understand the vibes I'm going for, you know, based on that. Um, So yeah. And then I would do pottery with Juzo as well. I just think he'd be a fun person to get to know and uh, hang out with and do something like that with. Um, And yeah. And then I would churn butter with Makoto because here's the thing. I, despite how I may seem to all you listeners, I am not the most talkative person to people I don't know very well all the time because I can be quite quiet. And I think that Makoto would help engage conversation very well to help pass the time very quickly for two hours Um, because he would make me probably feel very comfortable right off the bat because he's so nice and stupid. (laughs) I sound like a like kindergartner. (laughs) Makoto has cootie. (laughs) If you like him so much, why don't you marry him? They are married. That's no, true. I forgot. No, we're not married. Yeah. My bad, yes, Maddie. You are. Legally, you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a different answer from both of you, actually. I would probably go to the pottery class with Ryota because I think that, I don't know, pottery can be very soothing. Maybe that would help, like, relieve some of his anxiety. I would have Makoto give me a makeover because I also think it would be kind of just endearing and cute and maybe he'd do a really good job maybe he wouldn't but like we'd laugh about it and it'd be chill and then I would churn butter for two hours with Chuso because that's basically a workout you know getting swole those those arm muscles using them and uh we'd be working out together essentially and so I think that would work he would make a great gym buddy yeah, I think he, he would. would. He'd be very mm. like um encouraging, I think. Yeah. But he also wouldn't be like overbearing. You know what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. Like he would be like, get your workout done, but he wouldn't be like on you like, oh, like you're doing this wrong or something. Yeah. Be a good workout, buddy. That's true. You heard oh, it here yeah. first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls. Thank you so I already said thank you. <laughs> don't think i'm too much carolina they're gonna get overwhelmed um (laughs) if you like what you listen to today please give us a five-star review on apple podcasts and spotify it means so much to us and we are just so glad to have you all as listeners and if you're able to commit financially we do have a patreon the lowest tier is just two dollars a month and you get to hear awesome patreon episodes on our off weeks and if you get the twenty dollar tier you get a signed headshot of mine, which is kind of a joke, guys. Don't worry. I just have a thousand headshots in my <laughs> house right now. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening and follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're Ultra Hope Girls Podcast everywhere. And we will catch you in two weeks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.